Hey there, we're the West Slot Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skoskowspo. Well, gentlemen, we continue our look at Northwestern's opponents for the 2019 season uh, with a look at the Wisconsin Badgers, um, a Wisconsin team that up until last year was kind of the dominant team in the West, uh, fell off a little bit last year. Um, John, you can really look at their defense as kind of a, the culprit on it. I mean, Jim Leonard really did wonders his first year there, but last year things kind of fell off a little bit. A little bit. Um, I'll say this is so this is what a bad Wisconsin defense looks like. I'm using giant air quotes as I say this uh, because Wisconsin's defensive standard for excellence is so much higher than just about anyone else's defensively, at least in the West. This was by just about every metric, the fifth best defense in the conference last year. However, the crazy fact is that those numbers make this the worst Wisconsin defense, really, that we've looked at in the eight-plus years we've been doing this podcast. So there's real cause for worry here, too. And that's something that's practically blasphemous to say when you're talking about Wisconsin and defense. This has nothing to do with coordinator Jim Leonard. Yes, I probably went a little overboard heaping platitudes on Leonard in last year's preview, but the bottom line is he presided over an unreal unit in 2017 he continued to do a great job last year but several notable problems arose the first i won't talk about too much because it's going to step on scuzz's work a little bit but wisconsin's defense got less support from its offense than i can remember in recent history for all intents and purposes the badgers were like a service academy offense last year not in a good way again i don't want to step on what scuzz is about what, to do what's funny is that that's not true statistically that's well that's weird i can't wait to i can't wait to hear where you're going um the defense had a level of pressure on it maybe that the badgers aren't really used to um so they still fielded the number five scoring defense in the conference the number four total defense in the conference so that's a win The second problem is the more worrisome one, though. We predicted in our preview last year that any problems in the defensive unit as a whole were going to be papered over by this unreal central vein that the Badgers had running through this 3-4 defense. That vein starts with nose tackle um, Olive Sagapolu, then linebackers TJ Edwards, Ryan Connolly, and Alan Van Ginkle, and safety Dakota Dixon. That proved to be absolutely true last season when all of those guys were healthy. However, Van Ginkle, and especially Sagapolu and Dixon, struggled to stay on the field for big chunks of the season, and Wisconsin was deeply hurt when those guys were not on the field. This obviously matters because it means that this normally depth-laden, next-man-up Badgers unit is dealing with a talent gap. And that's a massive deal because all five of the guys I just mentioned are gone now. That's more than 250 tackles and close to 35 tackles for loss just from Edwards, Connolly, and Van Ginkle last year alone. So Wisconsin may be in the best shape in 2019 up front. On paper, 
the Badgers are going to start an absolutely massive trio of linemen. I mean, we think about this when we think about Wisconsin's offensive line, but this year um, their three down linemen and their three four are probably going to be Isaiah Loudermilk, Garrett Rand, and Bryson Williams. That's about 900 pounds of human being, and they're all solid veterans. Um, and, you know, again, Wisconsin's down linemen – these aren't stat guys. These are just absorbers, and these three guys are going to be great at that. Um, but Rand, one of the three, is coming off a brutal Achilles injury, and any Dan Persa fan can tell you that the road back from that injury is tough for a quarterback, let alone for a down lineman. So there's a kind of a question mark with one of these three guys. And any Badger behind those three behemoths on the defensive line is basically completely untested. Linebacker is probably home to the team's best returning defender, linebacker Zach Bond, who absolutely modeled that Wisconsin way that we were talking about, um, stepping into the outside linebacker role last year as a junior, and he put up 63 tackles, 7.5 tackles for loss, and 2.5 sacks, which is a classic Wisconsin linebacker stat line. But Chris Orr, is really the presumed leader of the middle of this unit. And the reality is, last year, when he was not a starter, he really didn't do much in relief. And and again, that includes when he got some real playing time when other guys were hurt. If he puts up the kind of numbers that Bond put up last season, and again, Bond is still there, so if he matches Bond's production from last year in his first year as a first starter, that will be fine, but it's not going to come remotely close to what it needs to be to replace the production that Wisconsin is giving up in middle linebacker. So Leonard, Jim Leonard, was a defensive back himself. uh, And last year in the secondary, he rotated a lot of guys in the back four trying to find the best combination of guys. That shouldn't indicate that it's an area of weakness for Wisconsin. The Badgers fielded the number five pass defense in the Big Ten, despite the fact that, and this is kind of standard for Wisconsin, they didn't really put up much in the way of a pass rush. The roster is deep in the secondary with skilled players, and it figures to be just fine. Again, Leonard is a smart guy. He rotates a lot of pieces back there. He's trying to figure out exactly what the best combination is, but the group as a whole gets it done. Still, though... This is a unit that feels like the fifth best or gasp sixth best defense in the conference. Um, Again, they lost a ton off the middle of this defense, basically all of their best players. So there's just not going to be as much talent on the field for this team as there was last year. If there was, we would have seen it last year because a lot of these guys were hurt and other guys got the chance to play. So now... Wisconsin, you know, again, we'll see what Scuzz has to say about the offense. But, you know, the front seven on this unit is going to be solid and very strong, if not exceptional. The bottom line, though, is that facing Wisconsin's defense, again, for the time we've been doing this pod, has traditionally been a terrifying proposition. And last year it wasn't. Uh, We played the eighth best University of Wisconsin defense we've seen in the eight years we've been potting and you know what it felt like it and that's why one of the reasons we had a great game against Wisconsin last year and there's a very strong chance a real real chance that this year 
Northwestern is going to face the ninth best Wisconsin defense we've seen in the past nine years. Wow. That's, uh, yeah. And again, it's all relative. That says as much about Wisconsin's excellence as anything, but this ain't going to be an unbelievable defense. Well, Scuzz, as you think about the Wisconsin offense, I mean, the, the, the biggest, you know, two biggest things you think of is big, Hog Molly offensive linemen and running backs. I mean, they've had insane running games forever and Jonathan Taylor is no different. Um, a lot of changes I, I th- though in other places. I think about those two things and I also think about mediocre quarterback play. Sure. <laughs> Which was the hallmark of what went wrong with the, with Wisconsin's offense last year. But I think it was exacerbated. Uh, We're going to play the blame game here, John. I think it was exacerbated relative to previous Wisconsin years by the defense. So this, like, as I started to dig into this, it's it's just very weird looking at Wisconsin's numbers on offense specifically and trying to figure out what happened. By almost every metric, they improved total offense per game, rushing yards, yards per carry, yards per attempt, yards per play. Um, they got a tiny bit worse on sacks allowed and turnover margin, uh, but they stayed pretty reasonable uh, on both overall. Like, they were plus one on turnovers, and sacks allowed, they went from 21 to 24. Like, not crazy, right? However, they lost four points per game on average, and they've lost five regular season games for the first time since 2012. Like, this isn't just the eighth worst defense. This is, like, the eighth worst Wisconsin team that, uh, or eighth best defense is the eighth best Wisconsin team we've seen in, in, in our preview years. Um, to confound this issue even more, Jonathan Taylor ran for almost 2,200 yards last season. He averaged more than seven yards per carry. Oh my god! How did they lose five games? I I, I get I have thoughts on this, but I want to hear where you're going. So what's interesting, like there was there was a drop off in passing yardage, right? So Hornybrook, uh, Alex Hornybrook, got injured uh, through parts of last season. Jack Cohn, a true freshman, came in. Or not true freshman, but but effectively redshirt freshman came in and in spot duty uh, was you know about the same like stats wise they were right they were both right around sixty percent completion they were right around like seven and a half to eight yards per attempt um barely more touchdowns than picks that was a big change from the prior year but I think what it comes down to is that the offensive problems stemmed from the defense and that once they got down in games they couldn't catch up. Neither Hornibrook nor Cone could effectively attack without the threat of play action. And I think teams decided, you know what, we're going to let Jonathan Taylor run for six or seven yards because they can't do anything beyond that. And with Wisconsin's defense giving up more points per game than they have in the last decade, the offense just didn't have a chance to come back. Now here's what's extra interesting. This is the exact same problem that has plagued the Wisconsin offense in 2017, 16, 15, and 14, and 13, and 2012. (laughs) Basically, since Russell Wilson left school, every loss in the last five years, minus a game versus Alabama and that infamous 59-0 drubbing at the hands of Cardell Jones, uh, every loss in the last five years has been by seven points or less. This is who Wisconsin is. If you can get ahead, they struggle, struggle to come back. But in most years, the D has kept anyone from getting enough of a lead to neutralize their ground game. 
Now, there's some teams <clears throat> that are better than others at consistently neutralizing their ground game. But still, last year with you know some of those injuries you talked about on defense, John, uh, some of the, the question marks in the, in, in, in the back four, I think it just forced Wisconsin's hand earlier in games. They got down, and they had to try to throw to get back in it, and they couldn't do it. And that's and that's the thing. Like I know we're going to talk about this later, but like if you look, and and, and again, I want to hear where specifically about this position because I it's hard not to look at the last year and think that their hallmark game was wasn't the Iowa game where they suddenly put they somehow put up twenty eight points against that defense, but that was Horningbook had three touchdowns and zero interceptions. So where are they at that position this year? So that's the interesting thing is I, I don't I don't think that this changes in 2019, but it might change in 2020. So the day one starter is still TBD, but at some point this season we are going to see Graham Mertz line up behind center for the Badgers. He is the highest rated quarterback recruit that Wisconsin has ever gotten, at least since they started rating recruits. Uh, his 19 college offers included Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Notre Dame, Michigan, LSU, Georgia, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. However, he only took one official visit, and that was to Badgertown. Ironically, against Northwestern in 2017, said he loved it, decided, you know, knew that that was the place he was going to go. The bottom line here is Wisconsin really lucked out. This dude is from, uh, is from Overland Park, Kansas, and his family wanted a, you know, max seven to eight hour drive uh, to be able to come watch him play. That ruled out Notre Dame, the Big Ten East, and virtually all of the SEC. I think maybe they also wanted a place where he'd get the chance to play early. <laughs> yeah, so uh, so he's a he's a pro style QB. He's perfect for Wisconsin in that in that regard. Um, he you know he rocketed up in the ratings after winning the state title in Kansas he, as a junior. He played in the All America game and and threw I think he threw like five touchdowns on seven throws which sparked a lot of debate among recruiting sites if he deserved an actual five-star rating. In the end, rivals did not think so. I think the bottom line here is, like, this guy is not the second coming of Trevor Lawrence. Um, I think he can almost certainly improve on last year's Hornibrook and Cone numbers combined. But I really question the ability of a true freshman to take over against a tough D when the Badgers desperately need points. I mean, that has been their bugaboo for seven years. Um, I think it is quite probable that Jack Cohn starts the year as the starter uh, or that these guys might go back and forth a little bit. Cohn, you know, we saw him last year. He's kind of like your usual serviceable Wisconsin QB. Um but is he like, serviceable though? I mean, yeah, he's uh, fine. You know, again, sixty percent. He's he's no. Um, who was the who was the safety that started at quarterback a few years ago? Um, that's always my favorite. Uh, that guy, the guy that threw three picks to Northwestern. Anyways, um, like quarter, quarterback is is going to remain a problem now. If if Mertz is everything he's cracked up to be, they're going to be better at that position than they've been since Russell Wilson. Um, in two years, but I, you know, it's going to take some time to get there next year. Uh, next year is going to continue to be the Jonathan Taylor show. Like I said, he averaged over seven yards per carry last year. He was just, he was phenomenal. He's, he scored 16 touchdowns. That was up from the prior season. He doesn't do much in the passing game. That's, um, I don't know if he's just not good, a good pass catcher or they just don't target him that way. I mean, there's a question about his workload. You know, you look at, we talked 
in our Stanford preview about you know how Bryce Love was supposed to be a, a, a shoe in for the Heisman going into 2018, and then um, did not play well at all, predominantly because of injury. I mean, I think there's some real finger crossing going on that, that Jonathan Taylor stays healthy, but if he does, he's a Heisman contender. Um, in the other skill positions, you know, wide receiver and tight end, all the starters from last year are back. AJ Taylor, Danny Davis, Jake Ferguson, these guys are all are all really good in the Wisconsin mold. Um, but on the O-line, they are breaking in four new starters, including both tackles. Now, the new guys are two seniors, a junior, and a sophomore. They've all played and started, you know, a, a couple of games here and there the past couple of years. But still, like specifically for Northwestern, getting to play this line in September with presumably a freshman QB behind them while they're still gelling and figuring things out, that is bloody awesome. And at the end of the day, for Wisconsin overall, I don't see anything that tells me that this offense can can make up for, you know, a uh, a status quo situation on the defensive side. These guys are in trouble. Well, I mean, you talk about trouble, and let's talk about their schedule a little bit. Um, they it's trouble, yeah. So they open up the year uh, traveling to South Florida. Uh, then they're home for Central Michigan. Then they get their bye week, their first bye week. Then they're home for Michigan, home for Northwestern, home for Kent State, home for Michigan State, at Illinois, at Ohio State. Then they get another bye week. Uh, Iowa at home, at Nebraska, Purdue at home, at Minnesota. They get Ohio <laughs> State, Michigan, and Michigan State as their cross uh, conference. Oh my goodness. This schedule is horrific. And first of all, I want to rewind because this is a team that beat Miami 35-3 in its bowl game, okay? Yeah, in the, no, in the nobody cares pinstripe bowl. In the pinstripe, well, I mean, I don't want to throw too much shade because we, I was, I sure as hell cared when I was at it a couple years ago. But, but it was but, yeah, cold, Miami, but Miami, you were cold coming up from Miami. I don't know what the heck Miami was doing the night before in New York City. I don't want to cast dispersions. I'm just saying, yes. Whether literally or metaphorically, Miami did not get off the bus for that game, and they just rolled over. The second-to-last game Wisconsin played last year was when they lost Paul Bunyan's axe for the first time in forever, at home, I might add, to Minnesota. And that's just one—I mean, like, that's going to be a tough game for them. On the road to a Minnesota team that holds Paul Bunyan's axe right now, especially if they haven't switched over to Mertz by that point in the season— and that's My God, a- is that Tanner Morgan's music? <laughs> oh God, and that's nope, it's that's Zach an afterthought. Music. So this is this is what I was thinking about when I asked you the Horningbrook question earlier, Scuzz, because Horningbrook's best game by far last year was that Iowa game, and he basically carried Wisconsin to a win in that game. And were not were it not for Horningbrook's play in that game, they would not have won. And it's notable because Iowa um, in that game. Is, was totally equipped to take away what Wisconsin otherwise does best, run the ball. And the reason they didn't is because Horningbrook played out of his mind in that game. Michigan was a better indicator of what happened last year when Wisconsin played someone who could take away the run. Michigan flattened them. And this year, they play four awesome run defenses. And... Ohio State on the road. Ohio State does not have an awesome run defense, or at least they didn't last year. 
but they're Ohio State, and it's just like at at you at USF. I'm not gonna chalk that one off. Um, at Minnesota, I mean they're at a weird Nebraska team. If Adrian Martinez decides to play out of his mind, um, you know, because to your early point about Jonathan Taylor. I think Jonathan Taylor is absolutely a Heisman candidate next year if he stays in school and is in line to break the NCAA rushing record. This year, I kind of feel like he's going to be a guy putting up 2,000-ish yards for another fairly mediocre football program. Um, There's just too many hard games on this schedule. Yeah, I I mean, this is... This is rough. It looks like four losses, at least to me, um, if not more. I mean, things could go really south towards the end of the year if, if Wisconsin is out of it. Uh, even, you know, even if they bounce back some on defense and that, you know, helps them with their offense, even if Graham Mertz is, is you know, a phenom as a freshman, the, the, the increase in schedule difficulty is just killer. Um I don't know, you know, one other interesting point, you know, one of the other things that kind of went south last year was their kicking game. Uh, the, their their kicker, Rafael Gaglione, uh, he, after being 16 of 18 in field goals in, in 2017, he dropped to 10 of 17. Um, they, they were not able to convert as many touchdowns in the red zone. Like, th- this team this team struggled on a variety of fronts and they're, and they're kind of starting from scratch against a much tougher slate. And that just does not portend good things. It really doesn't. I mean, I, again, and I know a lot of people are saying, yeah, but I mean, you have to put things in the context of the West and everything. I, there are several teams, not a lot, but several teams, one of which is Northwestern who are just in way better shape across both sides of the ball than Wisconsin is. Um, and they by the way, Jonathan Taylor, Northwestern is, I think the, maybe Michigan as well, but he, he didn't run for, he didn't, he, we held him to his lowest average yardage last year. Right. And the year before, like Northwestern has done extremely well against Jonathan Taylor and held him under a hundred yards rushing. It's the only time it's happened. Uh, in, in the game two years ago, in fact, we, we held Hornybrook in, in relative check as well. It was basically an even game until, uh, we threw a pick six, you know, late, late in that, uh, late in that fourth quarter. But like Northwestern's defense has been very well positioned to defend this Wisconsin team. And there's, there's, there's nothing that, that indicates they're going to jump forward in 2019, 2020, maybe. And they play Michigan Northwestern and Michigan State in three of four weeks. Like, I'm sorry, but I, like, beyond that point, I don't see Jonathan Taylor being in any kind of meaningful Heisman discussion. Like, I, those teams are, like, Michigan State, they're not going to run the ball against Michigan State. Sorry. It's just not going to happen. Michigan State is a better run defense than Wisconsin is a run offense. I don't want to hear anything about Jonathan Taylor. Sorry. Michigan State is the way more talented matchup in <laughs> in in Wisconsin rush offense versus Michigan State rush defense. It's not close. They're, they're also going to put nine in the box and say we dare you to throw. <laughs> right. And it's so and it's like and to your point, Northwestern is 
like it's not an accident. We've done well against Taylor. We have great linebackers and really big defensive linemen who neutralize what Wisconsin's trying to do. And Iowa has the exact same thing. And again, Iowa lost to Wisconsin last year because Horningbrook decided to play out of his mind. And they he's gone. And yes, he was up and down last year and hurt. But he also was very experienced. And Wisconsin, right, it's it's the cone show until Mertz tries to take over. But this is not the kind of schedule to be looking at when you're in this much flux. And again, it's like Wisconsin still does some things very well on offense, running the ball, and they still have a very solid defense. But it's a solid defense trending downward. It's headed in a downward direction. And all of this adding up to this schedule. I mean, again, it's like, I'm not, like, the interesting question is, what if Mertz is starting by the time we play them? How do you feel about that game? I feel just fine about a freshman quarterback starting against us. Like, <laughs> I especially with too. Especially with two brand new tackles. And it'll be, what, game four? Like, hello, Gaztown. Hello, Ernest Brown. Have a field day. Right. And, and you know, you know what's another really good thing to point out about that, too? Wisconsin's offense, credit where credit is due, Wisconsin, and, you know, I've written whole pieces on it on the website. Uh, Wisconsin is awesome at developing offensive linemen. But... It's not like they're fantastic in pass pro, historically. Afadi could tell you a few things about that. Uh, Afadi Adenabo throwing Rob Havenstein around like a rag doll. Um, I'm not exactly, yeah, like, I'm not exactly quaking over brand new Wisconsin tackles' ability to protect Jack Cohn or Graham Mertz against us. Absolutely. The biggest thing that gives me pause when, you know, we talk about our game with them is the fact that, you know, we're playing them at Camp Randall, which has just always been a, a tough place. I mean, it's a tough place to go play. And, yeah, Wisconsin might be a little little more down this year than they have in years past, but they're still, I mean, that home field advantage is real. Credit to the Gophers, though. Credit to credit to the Gophers for uh, taking a little of that luster off last year. I, I agree everything you said, Scuzz. I mean, Sam, I totally agree. This is the time to go get that win. I really do feel that. I mean, it's not like we haven't gone in there one because we have. It's just, you know, it, it's a tough place to go play. For sure. Absolutely. And I mean, Wisconsin's going to need that this year. Um, but I, I'm telling you, circle that August 30th date at USF. Charlie Strong um, on the road. You know, I think they're, Wisconsin's going to go down there with a brand new offensive line and try to just run over them with Taylor. And, it, you know, there's just certainly a chance that it works, but I certainly wouldn't just pencil that in as a win. And if they take that L, uh, look out for the rest of the season. Yeah, I just I just want to emphasize some stats from that bowl game because you mentioned it earlier that the throttling of, of Miami. And people are probably going to be like, oh, yeah, yeah they, they figured it out. Their offense figured it out. Um. They ran the ball 58 times for 333 yards. <laughs> they attempted 11 passes. Yeah. I, get, I, I mean, get, that, that tells you like, everything you like, need to know about It's Jack like Cone. literally Miami rolled over. It's, it's December in New York City. What's Miami doing there? They're freezing yeah. their butts off. P- partying. That's what they're doing. It, yeah. Again, though, that too. I get if. 
if you're listening to to all of our previews to across all of our previews uh first of all like defensive line turnover be damned we've been over the michigan wolverines michigan's defensive line is still going to be great we know exactly what our defensive line is going to be iowa's is going to be fantastic and michigan states are going to be fantastic michigan state and iowa are going to have two of probably the five best defensive lines in the country and that's better than what wisconsin's going to be throwing at it on the ground and then what so that so that's gone now what is Wisconsin going to do? And last year, they didn't do a heck of a lot. So, I, well, again. Well, if you go backwards in the Big Ten to, to, you know, those years where Wisconsin was kind of untouchable, wouldn't you argue that they're, I mean, yes, they run a 3-4, but wouldn't you argue that their defensive line was one of their strong points on D? And For sure. one of the better lines in, in the West? That's That's clearly changed that they're now third or fourth in the pecking order. You made a really good point earlier about the fact that Yes, on paper, you're like, well, Wisconsin still had a good defense last year. But if you're used to having, like, the best or second-best defense in the conference every year, and then you don't get that, the drop from first to fifth is the same as the drop from, like, fifth to ninth, right? I mean, it's it's a big drop. And if, you know, a lot of what Wisconsin does is kind of that's baked, you know, that assumption of excellence is baked into it, it's enough to kind of throw things off. And, again... That was now Wisconsin is turning over basically the entire middle of that defense. All of who, all of those guys basically went on to the NFL. And uh, yeah, it's not like it's not like Wisconsin's just totally reloading and it's going to be the best defense in the conference. They're not headed in that direction, they're headed in the other direction. So, do we think seven and five is a reasonable projection? I mean, I, I mean, the way we're talking, like. It's conceivable they could miss a bowl. Probably not, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. It's hard. It's hard for me to say. I'll put it this way: if they lose to USF, it's on the table. Yeah. Oh, first, if they lose to USF, seven and five is starting to look pretty would, good. Would be a miracle. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I you know my first instinct was eight and four. A lot has to go right for them to get to eight and four. That that final stretch of Iowa at Nebraska, Purdue at Minnesota. I mean, you you could conceivably see them winning all four of those. You could also see them going two and two or even one and three. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I, I I'm telling you, wait until that Iowa game, boy. I that that one's. Camp Randall or not, that one's going to be a tough one. Well, let, let's go but, ahead and leave it there for the Badgers. Um, sorry, Bucky. <laughs> yeah. I'm not. Go ahead and uh, head over to our website, westlotpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Pirates. You can email the show, westlotpirates, at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics. And look for us in the West Lot of Brian Field playing the Red Pirate Flag because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe and Eric Skazboy, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time. <laughs>